There is a war on. You wouldn't believe what it takes to fight a war. Besides guns, tanks, ships, and airplanes, it takes cowboy boots, candy bars, baseball bats, fathers, ground-up nuts, and handkerchiefs. Lots of handkerchiefs. That's what I figured out, walking back and forth on the sidewalk in front of our house in Payson. I didn't go very far because at four years old or so, I was not supposed to go very far. But in my mind, I was going far because I was walking in my new boots. My brother Gordon and I had matched pairs of shiny black boots. I'm not sure Gordon really appreciated these boots. They were the result of my hard work, hard begging, hounding, and occasionally draping of guilt trips on my parents. We're the only boys in the world who don't have cowboy boots. I was too young to know the terms, but not too young to know the system. Children are born with only two natural instincts. The first is to suck. The second is to whine. The reason Gordon benefited from my persistent and effective begging was that in those days, our parents thought we were both cute. But personifying the gestalt principle of psychology, that a thing can be more than the sum of its parts, we were more than twice as cute when we were dressed alike. So if he got a sweater, I got one. If he got yellow corduroys, I got a pair. We grew up answering the question asked by every stranger. No, just brothers. The question was, are you two little boys twins? Being just brothers is less special than being twins. At least that is the tone we put on it, and the strangers seemed to take it in. We were actually not even that close in age. Gordon was either one or two years older than I, depending on the time of the year. From November to June, he was two years older. Then in June, I picked up a year and gained on him, but I never could catch him. We were different in some significant ways. He was blessed with a major league caliber throwing arm, which didn't show up under his sweater. I got the longer leg jeans, which did show up at the bottom of my pants. But even so, we supposedly looked something like twins. One other difference was he was not as enthusiastic about cowboys and horses as I was. At least I don't remember him parading around in his boots as I did. Then, too, he was not as prone to parading around as I was. I really liked those boots, but I didn't love them. They were good, but not perfect. They were English riding boots. They were not cowboy boots. That is what I had been begging and whining for. They were not cowboy boots, I was told, because there was a war on. 
That was the standard answer whenever we wanted something and couldn't have it. Rubber tires, gasoline, I could understand. But how could you fight Germans and Japanese with cowboy boots? Some of the other things I was also not clear on, we got a baseball bat once for Christmas. It was the only one in the store, my mother said. Exactly how the army was going to win the war with baseball bats? I wasn't clear on that either. We got a penny balloon once at a church party. We played with it until it was two rubber molecules stretched together because we would never get another one while the war was on. But if we're trying to whip the enemy with penny balloons, we're dead. I guess I thought that. When we went to the movies at the old Star Theater, the only things in the county counter were cough drops. The soldiers needed the candy bars. Apparently, soldiers didn't get coughs. That was fine. We were happy to do our little part for liberty. I did wonder about the safety of the product. On the box, it said they were made of glycerin. Hmm. On the playground, we made our make-believe bombs out of nitroglycerin. That's what they used in the war, people said. I finally guessed it must be the nitro part that explodes since none of our stomachs ever blew up in the middle of the movie. Nitro or glycerin or whatever, we patriotically spent our nickel on the cough drops. Ludens were not so bad. You could almost imagine that they were candy. The Smith Brothers product, trade and mark, as they were known on the box, were too strong a licorice for my taste. I would not really encounter that taste again until a decade later, later when someone gave me the little black pellets known as sensen. They were supposed to counteract halitosis, which we were deadly afraid of in our teenage years. I never quite hooked into Sensen either. They tasted too much like Trade and Mark Smith, cough drops. And if we, you were not careful with your imagination, they looked like mouse droppings. I have no idea what mouse droppings taste like. Even during the war, we had our limits. The Smith brothers, as they were pictured on their box, had another interesting oddity, beards. Between the pioneers of the 19th century and the hippies of the 1960s, few people in Payson had facial hair. Except in 1947, when the Junior Chamber of Commerce sponsored a beard growing contest in honor of the Mormon pioneers who came to Utah a century earlier. But Trade and Mark Smith had beards. Trade had a square-cut job, and Marx was long and tapered, with a resemblance of, to Joseph F. Smith, former president of the church. No relationship, as far as I know. I would suck on a box of Smith Brothers if that was the only thing left in the candy, uh, in the cough drop counter, and sometimes it was. But I much preferred Luden's cherry flavor, if they were available. 
I ate so many ludens, I'm surprised I ever had to cough the rest of my life. Once in the movies, they had some little round balls of chewy cherry flavored stuff. These used to be rolled up in ground up nuts, I was told. When we got them, they were covered with cornflakes. My parents thought this was very clever of the manufacturers when I brought them home a bite. I wondered why nuts would help defeat the Germans, but cornflakes wouldn't. I learned later about a famous heroic army unit that was surrounded by the Germans at Bastogne, France, in the Battle of the Bulge. The German commander sent a message of surrender or death to the American troops. The American general, Anthony McAuliffe, replied courageously back to them, nuts. I thought at the time, maybe this was the reason that my cherry candy bars had been rolled in cornflakes. But I could never quite put it all together. If you think about it, though, it would have been much less heroic and quotable for General McAuliffe to tell the Germans cornflakes. Hmm? Yeah. My father got a notice of the draft. He may have even, even had the physical, but he was never called up. Bad eyes and family kept him out of uniform. I heard him say now and then to his friends, I wouldn't mind being in the service. You get to travel, get to see new places. He also said, I wouldn't mind being killed, but I wouldn't want to get half killed. I thought, yeah, that's a workable philosophy. His statement didn't send me into shock. I think I was too young to imagine what life would be without my father. And also, the war was a long way away from my world. But that was because my world was confined to me and my little circle. Actually, the war was very close. It invaded our little town, as it did every town and city in America. Harley Griggs had lived up the street two blocks west and left up the hill a block and a half. I never knew him. But I remember, I remember his name being included in conversations at the table. One of the stories had it that Harley's brother Ted was fighting in Europe. He looked up to see a squadron of B-29 super fortresses headed back to England after a bombing run over Germany. One of the planes was limping along with half of its tail shot away. The plexiglass bubble in which the tail gunner sat had been shot off. Ted flinched. That was hardly a spot in the Air Force. He wondered and worried. Later on, his worries were confirmed. War can be capricious as well as cruel. But I didn't figure that out until later. I just knew that our next-door neighbor, Leon Bernson, was killed in the war. Many years later, researching the history of our town for a series of shows we did called Paysonia, I read the rest of the account. Leon survived the war, but Americans were so anxious to get the boys home, someone wasn't quite careful enough.
The plane he was coming back in flew into a mountain in France, killing everybody in it. As I studied the weekly paper, The Patient Chronicle, researching those years of 1940 to 1945, it seemed every issue had somebody's son dead or missing. I'm thinking there may have also been a shortage of handkerchiefs for drying tears in our town because there was a war on. One apparent casualty of the war was a white porcelain commode. My mother used its passing as a teaching moment. I'm grateful that, as usual, she taught me at her knee and not over her knee. 